0: Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Maniker and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. The issue of guarantees in the auctions comes up often, no more than this season, when the subject of guarantees seem to be just about everywhere we could think of no better person to discuss the issue with than Asher Edelman, who has a long history in both the art market and on Wall Street. Before we get to that discussion, I wanted to encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter, AMM Daily, which is available at ammdaily.substack.com. The newsletter is a mixture of essays and original reporting, along with commentary on Art Market News. This is a paid newsletter, currently available for an introductory price. If you subscribe now, you will get that price for as long as you remain a subscriber. So please visit ammdaily.substack.com. With that out of the way, let's talk guarantees with Asher. Uh, Asher, I wanted to get your feel for how the New York uh, auctions went and also how you think those um, give us a tone or temperature
1: on the overall art market. Well, I think as I have been quoted recently, I think the art market is at a total standstill and heading south. There's very, very little going on other than in the auction market. And what's going on in the auction market is uh, not really very much about free markets and auctions. Uh, It's really much more about guarantees and pre-sales. In any event, uh, I saw the uh, big auctions and certainly the Phillips auction in the night sales as being quite weak I would say, I haven't done the numbers yet, I did them on London, but I would say that 30 to 40 percent of what did transact, transacted either on guarantees or on the low estimate. and uh, I think that's not a very good sign. There's some substantial works that did not transact in all three houses. So I think that the marketplace and the auction marketplace is reflecting some serious weakness and in the private market at the same time i see no transactions and i usually see a lot of the transactions because of our financing business we see lots of financing transactions but almost no sales transactions uh, out there um so that's my quick thumbnail of what's going on in the art market. Your financing
0: business relies upon the public markets and the the private uh, transactions that you see as a reference point for valuation, correct?
1: Yes, although we're not shy to say that an artist is coming out of favor or the marketplace itself is coming out of favor, we always air towards conservatism and assume that we ought to be able to get out of transaction should there be a default at 40 or 50 percent of what we appraise the work or works to be worth. We haven't had one that hasn't worked yet in those proportions, and we're trying very hard not to have any that don't work, and I think we can achieve that as the marketplace, if you appraise with care, has really never gone down 50% from high to the next low in general, and very rarely so in individual artists other than those that have been hyped, 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 and those that have been hyped, hyped, hyped. Traditionally, include only in a collection that we're lending against, or we lend twenty-five to thirty percent against them, because we're not in the business of uh, hyped art.
0: <laughs> what I'm interested in getting at, though, is you made a comment about the uh, prevalence of um, uh, third-party guarantees having an effect on the overall market or at least how you you view the market, and I'm wondering whether you that also causes you to somewhat discount those transactions, even though they they obviously are transactions i mean that that is money that is paid to own those works of art who whoever paid it um, and and does that affect your way of looking at and valuing uh, works for loans and financing
1: yes, substantially because. In the guarantee business, the guarantor is entitled to bid at the auction, not only up to his guarantee, but beyond if he happens to want to own the picture, or at least to make a good impression with the picture. So that you might have a picture guaranteed at $10 million, for example, and there are no bids whatsoever, but the guarantor has every right to bid it right up to his guarantee or beyond. and It looks as though there's been a transaction, quotes, at a guarantee, end quotes. And in fact, there has, but it has nothing to do with the real marketplace. It simply has to do with the guarantor bidding it up along the way to try to catch a bidder or to make his transaction look good because he's going to eventually want to have to sell that picture and he doesn't want it to be a pass really don't want to put a painting up at auction or a work of art up at auction today unless you have a guarantee if it's an important piece because if it passes, if it doesn't sell, you're you're uh, kind of stuck with the low estimate at best, and I mean at best, for the next four or five years and you probably can't sell the piece in the first two or three years at anywhere near the low estimate. So So your risks are tremendous without a guarantee, on many paintings. And of course, the auction houses competing for the marketplace have put these estimates and guarantees up to where they don't make a lot of sense. And they're not very economic for the guarantors anymore. Uh, And you will see the guarantee business drying up and probably very soon
0: you, you think that the guarantee business is going to uh, go away, even though there were a resurgence in this season, uh, a, a sort of far, far greater number of third-party guarantees than we've seen, I think, for a year or two before? They were, they were kind of tapering off as the uh, market improved, and then they came roaring back this season.
1: Well, I think that many, many sellers would not put things into the auction houses without guarantee. And the auction houses these days do a guarantee and then go out and get the third party. In many instances, not all instances, and they have a well of third-party guarantors. And they're pretty good salesmen. And uh, they got they laid off an awful lot on third-party guarantors. I know that one of the houses I'll leave it unnamed because it's not fair. It's been told to me somewhat in confidence, but had eight steady guarantors three years ago and has eighty nine Guarantors they would consider steady as of this year. I'm sure that changed and is changing rapidly down again, because it was possible to make a call and get a guarantor or five calls and find a guarantor. They're struggling more to get them now, and they're going to struggle a lot more after these last two rounds of these auctions, both in London and here, because there are an awful lot of owners of pictures that perhaps they didn't want to own. They will all say I wanted the picture at the discount that I got it. And of course, I have a competitive edge because I get part of the commission back uh, if I buy it for myself and I'm a guarantor.
0: But do you you think that that is having an effect, the the sort of liquidity uh, uh, put of uh, all of these third-party guarantees on things like your financing business? In other words, instead of getting financing for a work, you go and get it uh, guaranteed
1: and uh, know that you've got uh, uh, cash in hand? I think they're two different things. I think that most of the people who come to us are not in a rush to sell a piece and otherwise would bring it to the auction houses, though in many cases the works that we see are not necessarily works that get guaranteed. Not all works get guaranteed as you can imagine.
0: I'm interested in uh, this whole approach that has become somewhat um, uh, prevalent, it, and you, you mentioned it earlier, of viewing guarantees as somehow not the market. And, and I get the argument as why it's uh, artificial, but I, I'm still caught up on the fact that money is changing hands, and even a reluctant buyer is still uh, a buyer, and the fact that they continue to take place is a market. All its own. I mean, when they go out for a guarantee, they're shopping the work uh, just as they would, uh, you know, at at the auction. It's just in slow motion and not nearly as public uh, that way. And so, I'm trying to get a better sense. uh, To me, guarantees uh, are are tamp down the market. They it makes it less uh, appealing for a bidder knowing that it's already pre-sold. To be told you might be able to get this, but you might not because someone could. Bit over you who might have uh, 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 the discount, uh, uh, you know, already baked in. So I can see how it's a moderating force on the upper end of the market. I'm, I'm trying to get a, a little bit of better sense on why we think it's a artificial floor uh, to the market.
1: Well, it's an artificial floor in the sense that it's not an auction market anymore. If you came into the auction markets and you said, OK, what is a fair price for this picture? Uh, and you put uh, and you put a an estimate on it, your estimate would be x and y, okay? And if it didn't sell, it didn't sell, and it wasn't a fair price for the picture, uh, or it wasn't a price that was achievable in a real auction market. If you come in with guarantees, uh, you have a you have a price that's achieved, but people like me and people who are buying in the audience, et cetera, think to themselves, but is this a realistic price and do I want to be bothered with it? And is it a real auction or is it a pre-sold picture that has, uh, yes, it does have a buyer, certainly a reluctant buyer, and I think very shortly you will see fewer of them. I would guess, and this is only a guess, that while Dominic Levy and and uh, Brett Gorvey came in and got stuck with quite a few pieces, I understand. Um, the Mnuchins of the world and the big players of the world are, have probably stepped aside in the guarantee business in the last one or two auctions. Just a guess, maybe a little more than a guess, uh, but I, I would guess that that the big name guarantors are much more cautious now and not playing their hand and certainly not competing with the 80 or 90 other players in the game. You know, if there's something that they want or there's something that they think is a great deal or there's a collection, they can guarantee it's another story. But otherwise, I don't think the NAMIDs and all these people are as active as they were before. You'd have to ask them, but that's my guess.
0: And how do you think it affects the you know, this so-called financialization uh, of the market. Uh, The reason I ask you more than anyone else is you're one of the few people, uh, you mentioned Mnuchin earlier, one of the few uh, people with a uh, professional, long professional experience in finance who has also been dealing art for uh, a number of years. And it strikes me that the guarantee uh, is... You know, it's an inducement to sell, and it's a way that the auction houses have found to create a level of confidence. They they need the visibility of sales, for, because for some reason, if sales are are lower, the 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 world seems to interpret that as the you know uh, the art market is going away, rather than there's just you know not that material uh, uh, on the market in a particular uh, a period, but. The, they need the sales, but it's not necessarily financing the way you know. Um, auto financing is a, a way of getting people to buy luxury cars at uh, what seems like a lower price because they're paying for it over time. Yeah, uh, you know that's it's the the the. So-called financialization of the art market is still some ways away, and certainly it doesn't seem to me it comes through the this backdoor of guarantees. But you you would know far more about the that than I.
1: Well, I don't think the guarantees have anything much to do with the financialization of the art market. I think that it's uh, a method of earning some money on your money. You know, you can take a twenty-five million dollar. Theoretical check that has to be written out, and maybe earn five hundred thousand, a million, two million on that check that might have had to be written out uh, on a good day uh, these days. But uh, that's not really financialization of anything, I don't think. It's uh, you could say it's like an insurance company, but it's really not because there's no uh, actuarial sense of what gets done and what money gets put up. It's something far different. It's more like playing an options game, which is all fine. Uh, it's not financialization. I think financial, financialization of the art market has to do with lending and purchasing and leasing and uh, uh, backing uh, various kinds of transactions but not necessarily backing transactions in what becomes – in a certain way, I won't say – I don't mean this in a harmful way, but becomes in a certain way a preordained market, which some people call a rigged market, which I won't do.
0: If the guarantors uh, get stuck with too much uh, – uh, work that they can't move then they they will stop doing it you know it's its own punishment uh, to uh, try and speculate in in art one way or another uh, and it's its own limiting factor uh, that's what makes this last season so curious in fact this last year where there have been so many estates and in the case of you know having the Rockefeller estate and then Ebsworth these very large estates on the market that's normally Normally, a time you would see uh, that the, the market wouldn't need uh, these kinds of um, arrangements to get people to sell uh, because you've got the estates already selling.
1: Most of the estates require guarantees. I don't think Nelson's estate did. I didn't look, uh, but the estates in general require guarantees.
0: But that's the auction house providing a direct guarantee, and then they're laying off their um, risk by getting a third-party guarantee to, you know, pre-sell. And you could see in in these big uh, estates many works that were. Uh, pre-sold because they needed to make sure they got close to covering their
1: numbers, uh, but then did quite well on the auction block. In that sense, it's definitely financialization, but any of us, and of course I started out when I was doing guarantees, always looking for the collection to guarantee and often collections that the uh, auction houses were not too interested in guaranteeing because they didn't find it a marketing tool, but it's a great financial tool to guarantee a collection and to be in control of what sells because when, once you guarantee a collection, if you have upfront uh, valuable works that you're pretty comfortable are going to sell at a good price, you can really back off and get rid of the rest at almost any price you like and still collect your commissions. So that's a, that's a great business. And then if you do that and you lay off some of the risk, as they have done in certain uh, works, uh, you get Your guarantee fees, you get your commissions on, on everything less the stuff you laid off. You get smaller commissions, but it's, you know, it's a terrific financial play. The, the, the auction houses do that for themselves, but then you can look back and, and look at the Taubman. Well, Taubman, of course, was not a business transaction. It was a marketing transaction. And I don't think they were able to or even understood laying off part of the Taubman transaction on others. As best I remember, they guaranteed the whole damn thing and didn't lay anything off at Sotheby's, uh, a moment of, um, shall we say, hubris, uh, and, and lost their butt. But it's basically a very good business to guarantee collections.
0: It is the auction houses' job to financialize the art. That's that's what they exist for—to to provide the capital and then to be able to time the sales in a way that maximizes uh, a value. I mean, if if uh, if finance is uh, at its root, the shifting the time value of money in either direction or for whatever party, that's why they they exist. Well,
1: they basically exist to provide liquidity. If you think about it, because there's no liquidity. To speak of in this market, other than at the auction houses, and uh, and it's been the case certainly in the two thousands. I think I think prior to that there was a relatively liquid market um, outside of the auction houses. But I think that the liquidity is in the auction houses. I mean, I can sit here with with a painting, or someone can sit here with a painting, or sit somewhere with a painting that. Sold at four million dollars or the equivalent. Sold at four million dollars at auction, and they're offering it at three million dollars. But they don't have the the scope, um, nor the confidence for some reason that the auction house seems to glean when it puts its estimates and its photographs, et cetera, all together, and so that the the picture goes uh, quiet, and then ultimately it's called burned. But but. Burn really should be what the auctions do because they publicize pictures to the whole world. Uh, it's I'm not, I'm not criticizing the auction houses, but I would say that their their function has much more to do with liquidity. I think that if there was a real liquid market out there for what's going to the night sales these days, that liquid market would be the determining factor. But there's
0: not how will we get back to that liquid market are you saying that you know instead of um you know uh, uh, nick mcclain was sort of suggesting that uh in uh, uh, in third party guarantees that they they shut uh the window you know Forty-eight hours before the sale, so that you know uh, in the the days leading up what's been guaranteed and what's not, rather than having it sprung on you in the minutes before uh, uh, the the auction. And and I, I what I hear you I'm saying, sorry,
1: I, I think that's great, <laughs> but um, they have no real purpose in doing that as long as they're allowed to do this. Right. Well.
0: But uh, <laughs> right. so I guess what I I hear you saying is the liquidity would be there if if, if there wasn't a quiet auction beforehand for the third-party guarantee, right? If everyone were, were, were forced to make a decision in front of each other, that would create more liquidity? Is that, is that what you're saying?
1: That's not what I'm saying, though I think that's probably correct. But I I think, um, I think you asked a question which I'd rather answer than, than get off in that one. And sure. the question was, what will change this? Uh, what will create liquidity? On the outside, that seems to have disappeared for the past fifteen years and uh, and it has, and I, I think that doesn't mean you can't sell something at a bargain price when you need to, but and I, and I, and I think a real bargain price and I think the answer to that is very, very simple: pain <laughs> the market the market needs to adjust at the night sale level to where the guarantors are more conservative and careful, if at all present, uh, so that the rest of the market is able to be dealing with some of those pieces in a more ordinary way. What what you've created in the night sales today, the, I mean, the day sales are a nightmare. They're everything they can get their hands on, and they mark them down To prices that have nothing to do with what goes on in the private market, except nothing goes on in the private market anymore. But the night sales, um, if if you're going to have a real market where where prices reflect reality in the night sales, then you're going to have a real market where there's some liquidity in the private marketplace. But as long as the auction houses are able to put on these big estimates and to get works that otherwise would have been in the private marketplace in a big way, and as long as the private marketplace can't absorb those works anyway, the the only place is going to be the guaranteed market in the night sales. Now, we're not talking about a lot of paintings, but we are in a way in terms of money, and that has to crack. In order for collectors to become collectors again, the market at the top has to crack and people have to begin to think of paintings or think of art as art and not think of art as financial vehicles. And I think then you will have a real market in the private marketplace, in the gallery marketplace, which is pitiful these days with a few exceptions. And that real market will reflect people's desires and people's interest and prices that are not uh fixed up high where there is no there is no private secondary market so, so in other if words if you it- have if you have a, a, a you know a, a, if you have a second rate van gogh or a first rate van gogh of course there was a second rate van gogh at, at auction this time but if you have a first rate van gogh and you can get 20 million dollars for it Working it and working it and working it in private sale, uh, privately, not in not in the au- in the auction, and and you would like that piece to be sold, and the auction house comes along and says, "Well, we can guarantee you twenty million dollars, and you know it's going to be sold, and let's put it in the auction." All those, all the pictures of that ilk. And then everything else around them kind of dry up in the, in the, in the private marketplace. And the more auctions there are of all these things, the more people look towards, even if they don't sell, even if they don't sell at auction, the more they look towards those auction prices and auction guarantees and restrict themselves in the private market where the prices probably would be lower, but more realistic. So, so it's a created event of high prices. The auction market, the auction houses don't make any money at the top anyway anymore. They give most of it away in one way or another. They give it back to the sellers. They give it to the guarantors. They give it away on promotion. They give it away on uh, on publishing. They give it away in every way, shape, and form. Their business today is, in terms of profitability, uh, is in the lesser stuff that doesn't have all this other stuff going with it. But of course, those things sell pretty low today in general. And then there's the problem which has really begun to surface, which nobody's talking about yet, of people bidding at auction and then simply not paying. And you know, if it's a hundred or two hundred or three hundred or four hundred thousand dollar piece, it's almost not worth pursuing. We're sitting on one of those now. Something that was sold at one of the auction houses, uh, and uh, and they didn't get paid, you know. And it's 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 difficult for me to contemplate how I would go after it in an economical way. Uh, fortunately, it's something that sold above its estimate, and there is a sale out there that looks very good. And so probably because they don't take it off the the ArtNet and so on if they don't get paid and probably I can resell the piece pretty well but then you got to go fight the auction houses to get it back because they're still begging the people to pay it's 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 a real problem today what you're saying is
0: in the art market
1: the prevalence of
0: of of guarantees uh, has taken the animal spirits out of and, and and therefore the liquidity out of the market and put it on the sidelines as everyone presumes there's no opportunities to be had. There's no um, uh, things to, uh, for lack of a better term, lick your chops over.
1: Well, that's not exactly true. I mean, everyone assumes that there's someone with an edge in the game, clearly. I mean, but when you get to a Leonardo, you get some, you know, guys who don't really know what they're doing and uh, had some political purpose in mind as opposed to a beautiful work of art. But but generally speaking, I think, everyone interested in a piece has to assume, that's guaranteed, has to assume there's someone else who has an edge uh, in in the work and has to assume that there's no market under whatever the guarantee is and has to guess that the guarantee is up near the low estimate. Um, You know, in the old days, when we thought something was too expensive, most people in the business, or at least collectors, as I was very aggressively at one time, simply wouldn't bid. And then we would go back in after and say, we'll offer you such and such. But we simply wouldn't bid. There's absolutely no reason to pay those auction house commissions when you can go in to a pass and buy the piece if you're a collector and you don't really care about reselling it right away. Buy the piece at less and with a lesser commission. Now they coax out that bid. Oh my God, I was watching them at Christie's. It was brilliant. I mean, but it's it's brilliant. But it, you know, chandelier. There's chandelier bids and chandelier bids. And if you have someone on the phone from China, and you're running a chandelier bidding, it really is kind of um, what can I say. Manipulative? I think so. And some of them are really good. I mean, it's it's a movie star up front there. Again, I'm not criticizing. It's the business. Uh, I'm just saying that it it's the business, but it's not necessarily good for the art market.
0: Well, but we also saw, uh, uh, and you mentioned this earlier in the case of the Van Gogh, there was a painting pitched to the Asian market that the Asian buyers were not going to get drawn into bidding on uh and that's right and what i hear you saying it is you know a little more pain in the market might bring or break the ice of what's become too high expectations and too many people sort of supporting those high expectations with the, these uh, uh, third-party guarantees. And, and that would unleash uh, sort of more active trading and a, a freer, uh, if, if more volatile, market.
1: Well, a freer and probably not more volatile market. It would go down for a while, and uh, and probably would unleash something else, which might be uh, the private market and the gallery market reopening, because the monopolistic uh, tendencies, or it's not that they're trying to be monopolies, or at least not act- actively and publicly, but the 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 nature. Of the auction houses, has commanded what they want to command at this point, which which is the only liquid position. And thank goodness that they're around from that point of view right now. But that will not be the case if this market cracks, because the sellers won't automatically go to the auction houses. There won't be automatic third-party guarantees for very good and sometimes not so good pictures. Uh, And uh, and there'll be more fluid market out there, and I think again this isn't I must say this isn't my problem, so I'm not um, I'm not preaching for my own business because really my business is finance, not really dealing, although we do some dealing. Um, But I think that that the dealer community will have a chance of becoming more active uh, in 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 the in the general marketplace of very good pictures. Right,
0: because it costs a lot of money, or, or I should put it the other way. One needs to have a lot of money in the bank as a dealer to be able to acquire inventory when you're competing against the third-party guarantees, which is just a, a broader wingspan for the auction house. And so that makes it difficult, no matter how big or global your your gallery, it makes it difficult to buy Works for inventory, so you can't make the profit on having bought and held the works.
1: Correct? No, but I mean this. But the the auction houses don't buy work for inventory. You can also they're they're in a consignment business, and you can also be in the consignment business if you're a dealer. Sometimes you buy works for inventory. When you buy works for inventory, I think you want to make very sure they're at 50 percent of retail or less, because sometimes you have to hold them for a long time
0: right and the auction houses are not competing in the sense that they're buying for inventory they're competing in the sense that they tap all this other capital by being able to say uh, uh, in your your 20 million dollar van Gogh example if the uh, private uh, dealer even a you know a, 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 a dealer with many outlets um, wanted to buy that same picture they would have to come up with the 20 million dollars uh, themselves it, instead of being able to say buy it from the seller or from 17, knowing that they could sell it for 22, the auction house comes in and says, oh, I've got a $20 million buyer for you. And that takes the liquidity into this uh, uh, matching market. As yeah, sure. To but market. if
1: they don't have a guarantor at that $20 million, don't bet that the seller is going to come to them. Well, Not for long.
0: Exactly. And that's what, so it's this, what, you're, that's so what you're saying by arranging remember
1: those... that the dealer can come to people like me. And finances inventory; it's not that expensive uh, if he's buying it right. I,
0: I, I'm just trying to tease this out for uh, uh, the audience that the the what what you're saying is it puts the the. People who are dealers in the difficult position of competing with the auction house, not because the auction house is buying for their own inventory, but, but the auction house is, is providing the um, buyer to the seller rather than allowing the, uh, the uh, dealer to step in and buy at a slight discount and also sell at a, a, a premium and take that spread as their um, profit.
1: Yes, but if you think about the auction house as a consignee and suddenly there aren't all these third-party guarantees around, so the auction house is now competing with experts in the field because many of the dealers are. So if you take the expert in Feininger, um, he will have as many contacts to sell a Feininger as does an auction house, and but now he can be competitive because he no longer has to compete with some cockamamie high estimate with a with someone, some hedge fund kid who wants to be a guarantor because it's an exciting thing to do. Once he's lost enough money doing that, he'll stop doing that. And now the auction house is basically in direct competition with the uh, uh, with the dealer, and the dealer's in direct competition. They both have access to their areas of expertise. The area of expertise of a dealer and the area of concentration and the attention paid not instant but long term to what he's trying to market is quite more interesting than what the auction houses do. And he will have every chance to be uh, competitive with those auction houses if indeed the guarantors go away.
0: Fantastic.
1: That's that's
0: the point I was trying to to, to get to. Uh, well, and I just think... use
1: that. Don't do the rest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's fine. Oh, great. Well, Asher, I, I, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's, it's been an education, as always.
1: Always super fine to talk with you, my dear friend.
0: Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com.